1: Hey, what's going on, folks? I want to welcome you back to another edition of the Agents of Inclusion podcast powered by Special Olympics and Odyssey. My name is JR from the JR Sport Brief Show on CBS Sports Radio. I need to remind you, we have new episodes with new guests dropping every Wednesday. Make sure you're subscribed to get the latest, but then most importantly, to go ahead and get involved. Today's guest is one of the most inspirational people I have ever met or spoken to. Her name is Loretta Claiborne. She's the chief inspiration officer for Special Olympics and is the first athlete to sit on its board of directors. She's completed 26 marathons, is a fourth degree black belt. Denzel Washington presented her with the Arthur Ashe Espy Award for courage. Disney made a movie about her, the Loretta Claiborne story. She's met presidents and has been all over the world all of this growing up in york pennsylvania with six siblings and just her mom loretta was born partially blind and did not begin speaking or walking until the age of four loretta is an inspiration and continues to be as active as anyone we're gonna have a chat with loretta claiborne about it all it's the agents of inclusion podcast And so I'm glad to have here with us on another edition of the Agents of Inclusion podcast, an amazing story, Loretta Claiborne. Loretta, thank you for taking the time to talk with us.
2: No problem. Um, I mean, I'm just here. It's nasty outside.
1: So, Look, we, we, we got a lot to talk about. It could be nasty outside. I know the weather's changing in a lot of places. You have an absolutely amazing story. And I want to touch on as, as, as much as I can from being a special Olympics ambassador being on the board of directors, the Disney film, the languages that you speak, your story. It's it's crazy. I guess, first of all, growing up in York, Pennsylvania, your siblings, just your mom, you, you weren't able to, to fully speak or talk until you were four years old. You end up running 26 marathons. What got you into running? Who got you into running?
2: I think it was just something I could do on my own as a kid, but my brother ran. And so uh, he he was much older than me, and he would have his guys. We lived in a housing project. There was a big field, and him and his friends who did cross-country and track and stuff would—actually, he was so popular, he could go and unlock the locker at small Field, bring the hurdles up to the field, and train with those guys. And that was rarity because, you know, schools usually have their equipment locked up just for the school. But he also wrestled. And I kind of followed my brother because I was not a popular kid. Like I said, I didn't talk much. And I looked up to him. And I think it was this: he ran and then I ran. I started running in 1966 at the age of 12.
1: Wow. Starting at 12. And we know schools are much different now than they were at that point in time and even today the Special Olympics is, is is working to have more unified champion schools across the country where people with and without disabilities could just go and play sports you had an issue with your foot you didn't walk until you were four uh, you were partially blind and one eye and then at 12 you were able to still go out there and run how difficult was it? Were you afraid? Did you have all the confidence from your brother? How was that experience when it was well, time to do? I got two?
2: bullied a lot. So I didn't deal with regular kids. And I remember there's other kids in the housing project uh, who had the same challenges as I did, but they went off to institutions. So they kind of disappeared. And um, my mother wanted me to be with her family, there were seven living children to didn't make it into this world. And she wanted to keep us together. And of course she fought. And her big thing was, you're gonna keep my daughter, you got a special education class. And it's gonna to be tough on her, but you know, life is tough. Life was tough on, like she would say, life was tough on her as a mother, even before she became a mother because of the color of her skin. But she always did tell me, says, hey, this is a part of life. You gotta learn to deal with it. And basically, I got to say that between good people in my life along the way, and I start meeting a lot of those good people after I got into Special Olympics. A lot of people think Special Olympics is just sport. It's not, it's more than just sport. It's um to me, it was a blessing because when I got into Special Olympics, I tried to get on the track team in school, which I tried to start the track team, really, there was no Title IX. And these girls came to me and said, hey, we want a track team. And so, of course, if you saw the movie, I was the one who went to the principal and spoke. I was the one who went to the teachers just for us to practice in the hall, not at the track where my brothers and them practice. And finally, they had a little track meet, one of the coaches The coach, Mrs. Kasiba, took us up to see a track meet. And it happened to be uh, a lot of runners didn't show up. And so she came to this coach came to Mrs. Kasiba and said, hey, I see you got a bunch of girls here. Oh, we're just watching. We don't really have a team. So they let us run. And I remember one of the girls blurting out saying, oh, we don't want no retards on the team. And Mrs. Kasiba turned around and says, you know what? I'm going to stop this right now. It was Loretta who wanted the principal, it was Loretta who wanted the teachers, it was Loretta who sold candy bars for student activities, which this bus that you have ridden here was paid by student activities. So we're going to stop this now. But it never stopped. And then as time went by, I started Special Olympics, I was in 10th grade, I was going to school a week and going to work a week. And I never forget the one coach saying to me, Loretta, if you put down those fists and use those feet, maybe you can go places. Because I had anger issues. I took medication. And I think it was just that Mr. Lee Gilreith, that counselor at the workshop who got me into Special Olympics. I was going to quit. And my mom says, oh, no, 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 no. You don't quit nothing in my house. You're going to stick. And when I tell you, you don't quit until I tell you. So I thought maybe, okay, that season got over. My mom, the next year, right. went to school to work. She says, um, I hope you signed up for that program because if you didn't, I'll, I'll make sure you sign up. And it was one of the best things that happened because the p- people who were working with us understood where we were coming from.
1: What's the best lesson? And, and you, you shared a lot of gems that your mom instilled in you. Is there really one lesson that, that you would take from, from your mom?
2: You know, she always told us, it's not how much you have is what you have and how you use it. I mean, she had so much, because she raised raised us single-handedly, seven kids, no man in the house, and uh, she was on welfare, but that didn't mean that she couldn't raise her seven kids without morals. That didn't mean she couldn't raise her seven children that they do count or they are, you know, valuable. And and even though she's seeing segregation because of color of skin, i didn't think she wanted me to see the segregation not only because of the color of my skin but for my abilities to learn and she just kept at me says you know it's not how much you have is what you have and how you use it and i think that's the best thing it's not what how much you have is what you have and how you use it and you when can. i started special olympics you know i seen an opportunity i couldn't be on that school track team but i could be on being Special Olympics. And it was just, it was sport that drew me. It was a free sandwich that drew me to the Special Olympics. So it was, uh, my mom always said when I walk out the door, remember, you don't take nothing free, because there isn't nothing free. You think you're going to get something free? It might be free today, but they're going to ask for something. And I think, yeah, I did take that free sandwich. Weeks later, she got the call. She said, mm-hmm. You're going to think twice before you pick up another free sandwich. But it was the best free that I ever had. And it was freedom that I could be myself. It's okay to be me. It You know, it, everybody I competed with in Special Olympics, nobody called people names. Nobody picked on each other. I mean, everybody was in the same boat, rowing the same oars, you know. And when I look at Special Olympics and I look back, it was the coach who said to me, I want to hear from you, not from me. I want you to use your voice. I want you to tell me what you want to do. Do you want to do the 300 or the 50?
1: You were able to take all of those experiences from being excluded to being a part of Special Olympics and being included and then doing even more to show people that you can go out and do whatever. You have run 26 marathons. It's not like you stopped. It's not like you were content with just, Hey, they let me participate. Hey, they let me run. You went above and and beyond. Why did you, why did you do so much more? I don't
2: know. I guess it's, I had that in me. It was just that inner being. I learned how to knit and I learned how to do martial arts. I did martial arts for 28, 29 years. I taught martial arts. Uh, I did a lot of things. And that's what Special Olympics tells you, you know, you have a, I remember Eunice telling me, Eunice Kenny Schrober telling me, right down on New York Avenue, she says, you know what, Loretta, I created these games so that you don't have to look on the outside of the fence. I created these games so people like you have the opportunity to be on the playing field, to take that chance. And from the playing field, what do you learn? You learn discipline. From martial arts, what do you learn? You learn discipline, even though you're doing a, Fingertip push-ups and your fingers hurt. You want to stop, but that inner drive in you'll say, "No, I'm going to stay on my fingers till sunset." At least says stop, and that's the same way with sport. You start it and you get involved in sport, but then you take it from the playing field out into real life. I own my own home now. I pay. I just got done running down to the post office yesterday to put in my taxes. So it was that drive. And I found out nobody's gonna be nobody's gonna be here behind me to push me. So I have to want that drive and to go on to be disciplined.
1: You talk about your your other experiences, you speak multiple languages, you you've been I don't around...
2: speak multiple languages to kind of communicate. Okay. Like when I go to Germany, I want to be able to say hello, which is hello in Germany. You know, it's well, been me. It's been it's been Loretta.
1: I am. Yeah,
2: I am Loretta.
1: Yeah, so, I I, I, I Sie Deutsch? Just a little bit. Yes, yeah, just a little Sieg bit. Deutsch. But that's 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 so much more than a lot of people even know or or take the time to learn. With all of Good your experience,
2: thank you very much, Danke, Danke. Juice, thank you.
1: Yeah, for for all of these ex- experiences, meeting presidents, whether it's a uh, President Obama or President Clinton. Is there one experience that stands out to you that that you've had in your lifetime?
2: I think the one experience that stands out to me is that I had the opportunity to do something that I really wanted to do, to be on a team, to be in sport. Ever since I was a little girl, I dreamed of Wilma Rudolph. She had a disability and I saw her on TV and right there I was glued because she was somebody like me. She didn't have an intellectual disability. But she had a physical disability, and I'm pretty sure she went through a tough way. You know, like people see Superman, and Superman's their hero. He's got the cape, and nobody's never met Superman. Well, I saw Wilma Rudolph, and she was my hero, and I never met her. But she had something in common that I had in common. So when I look back, there were people that I looked up to, but no more... Than anybody, I looked up to my mom and God because God's first and foremost in my life. I'm not a big church goer. Uh, But, you know, there are this program that came along and says, Hey, Loretta, you can be a part of this. I had to clean up my act. I had to not get angry. I had to not get in fights. I had to go to the workshop. I had to earn my way, not throwing hammers at people. And there was just like, You know, you have your dog, you have your dog, and he wants that treat real bad, he's going to sit. He's going to eventually sit until he gets that treat. And that's how humans are, you know. You want, I wanted to be on the track team so bad, and I want, and when they told me, oh, you're going to go away, well, I never left the project. And that was the stickler. I have to be able to contain myself so I'll be able to
1: go away. And it was hard, it wasn't easy. Coming up in a moment, Loretta and I talk about growth. First, her own personal growth as she's gone from gold medal athlete to an athlete with so much more to give to the community. And then we dive further into the growth of society, how it's changed in her lifetime.
3: Selling a little or a lot?
0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/recommend today.
1: Loretta Claiborne began participating in Special Olympics in 1970. Over her five decades of competing, she's won six gold medals at the World Games. Now she's a veteran, and she shared how she balances her time to continue training and competing against taking time to help others and further the cause and grow the next generation of athletes. How has sports helped make all of the connections you've made in your life?
2: Well, it's just like, uh, I remember one time I read the story and it was about Oprah Winfrey and she was just becoming of herself. And some other famous person was telling her how to balance out taxes because he had a problem with taxes. And he said to her, Oprah, if you have $100, you take that $100 and take $40 of that $100 and put it away. That's for Uncle Sam. It says, now you have $60. You take your $60. And like she says, well, she had a solution. She'll take her six, put that $40 away for Uncle Sam so she wouldn't get in trouble. Then she would break that $60 down to so much to spend, so much to put away for later, and so much to en- enjoy herself. So that's basically how I use my time. I take so much for my competition. I'm, I was driven to, I love competing. That's just my way. Ever since I was a kid, I've always loved to compete. So I make sure that I try to balance it out with, this is my time for competing, working out. When I go to the Y tomorrow, that's my time. There's no cell phone at my YMCA. I don't, the girl next to me, she's riding on her bike, not using her arms. She's riding and she's talking on the phone and I'm up here on my elliptical using my arms. This is my time. This is my time to work out. I come home from the Y, I rest a little bit and then I might go out and get a run in. Like yesterday I came home, I had to prepare for my skating competition last night. So it's basically, you just learn how to balance things out. I take that pie like the money. That 100 percent, 40, 60, 20, 20.
1: When you look back at so many of the changes we've had in society just over over your lifetime, how people approach school, how people look at education, how we look at at being unified has changed. But there's there's always still much more work to be done. We still
2: got a long way to go. We we come so far in the 50 years. Remember when I came up all my friends were disappearing they were going away and they were going to institutions and I want to see two schools that I was going to basically live at one of those schools and I said to my mom I want to go away to those kind of schools because there's people like me but she had she didn't have that in her mind I want you to go to regular school and to be the best that you can be and earn a diploma and not a certificate she wanted a real diploma and she was determined that I was gonna make it. She got behind me and I made it. And now when I look back at Special Olympics, started out with just a couple of athletes. Now I forget how many million athletes across the globe. And not only is it promoting sport, but it's in promoting inclusion. And my theory is, if you live on this earth, Institutions are very, very few nowadays. I think everyone should have a crack at life. I think everyone should have a crack to want to do the track or, or do something. But I also think that everyone has the chance or the crack at the bat to be the best that they can be and to be inclusive, whether it's in the community and that's what Special Olympics is teaching. Starting with the young kids, talking to them about people who are differently able as they get into middle school and high school, they do it through a sports program. As they get into college, it's a sports and mentor program. And the next thing you know, people are bonding. Because my theory is we all got to live on this earth together. We all should be able to work and play and be our best together. It's a separated, segregated world.
1: A terrible one. A a A terrible
2: one. We see it. But when you see people with intellectual and physical disabilities, being the best that they can be. The young man who has the sock company, Crazy Socks. Uh, you see on TV, there's a group of people up in the northern part of the United States. Actually, I went up, it's in Connecticut. It's a whole coffee shop and it's ran by people with intellectual disability. So those powers wouldn't happen. Those things wouldn't happen if it didn't start out somewhere, some way and somehow. And I think Special Olympics was the main thing that started out, because remember, In the 60s, most people like me were in institutions today. We're all over the place. We're working. Uh, I have a friend that works at a hospital. He gives me the update. And I said, how many COVID people are in the hospital? And he'll give me a little update. He's my tennis partner. But um, just to see our people succeeding, driving cars and everything. I can't drive a car, but hey, I I make do in this old world.
1: Is there a favorite place that you've been to? Or place that you want to go that you haven't been yet.
2: No, you know, there's a lot to see right here in the United States that I haven't been, and I like to see where I live at first. But I did like the Middle East.
1: Okay, why?
2: I don't know the people, uh, the Crown Prince. How he once he now knows because it was you know sort of a closed country, but it was him that came and says, these people are people of determination. And it wasn't just for special Olympic games there. It was f- still today. They, their people are people of determination. And he wants his country to be an inclusive country starting with the schools. So there's, there's students with intellectual disabilities that can go to regular schools. He wants to see that happen. He he loves Unify. I remember going over there and giving them one of the banners. I mean, the students were of all. They they yearn to have more inclusiveness. So to me, that's a place I would go back to.
1: If if I if I may ask, if it's not too personal, I know you've met President Obama. What yes. was that? What was that conversation? What did he say? What did y'all talk about?
2: Um, it was at the white house. I met him a couple times and those places are so busy, but we talked about a little bit of everything from A to Z. And I never forget what struck me was something he was saying to Mr. Shriver, Tim Shriver. He said, um, you know, I think in this world, there are other people who have changes made for them, for their rights before your people would have changes made for them, for their equal rights. Your mother has spent the last 40 or 50 years fighting for people with ID to be inclusive, to be uh, more accepted, whether it's in the job or in the community or on the playing field. And still today, you still have to work hard at it. Where there are other folks who are looking for things to change And it's happening. So in other words, he was saying the fight is still long.
1: You mentioned tennis and and obviously running. What are some of the other sports that you've participated in over time? I just
2: did our local games last night. And this weekend coming is the state games for for figure skating. I just finished up our local program last night. So this Saturday and Sunday, we're doing figure skating. I just finished up the season for skiing. Uh, last week we were at state games. I play a lot of sports. I'm playing, currently playing basketball, but tennis is my main sport. And I still run just for exercise and fitness. But I do a lot of sports. So I do floor hockey right now. We're having a hard time getting a floor hockey coach. I played soccer, I swam, I did softball. You name the sport, I basically did it with the exception of equestrian. <laughs>
1: You it, it, So there's no slowing down here for you, Loretta. Is oh, no, there, no, 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 no. You stop moving. That's it. Is there a sport or is there a venture that you haven't done or tried yet that you want to get into?
2: I would like to try equestrian, but we don't have horses in the city. So, you know, it's um uh, where you're going to put a horse in the city. Row houses, you know. Love with dogs. We we can we
1: can get you out to a I guess a ranch. I think that's that's quite possible. I I feel like that's something that you're eventually going to check off your bucket list, right? Actually, I just
2: love sport. My mother didn't have the opportunity to play sport. My uncles, I hear the stories because of the color of the skin. And I remember one time sitting on the end of my mother's bed, she said, "You see all that tennis you're doing and, and basketball and all those sports? Let me tell you something." you thank the good Lord that you have these opportunities because your mother didn't have it. So I look at sport differently than a lot of my athletic friends do because my mother didn't have sport. She was denied sport. Her uncles were denied sport. So I have this wonderful opportunity to play sport and it was always my dream to play sport and my dream in reality to be able to play tennis because I remember the story that my mother said about, oh, only thing the people like us did, blacks, was pick up the balls off the tennis court for the club people. We were not allowed to join those clubs. So you thank the good Lord that you had this blessing and opportunity. So I also thank Special Olympics for this blessing and opportunity because it's a blessing that's really changed my life.
1: There is a massive event. We were talking a little bit of uh, a German, a little bit of Deutsch. There yeah. is a big. Of, Deutsch. Yeah. 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 There, there's a bunch of events. It's been one big event going down in the summertime. Explain to everyone the special Olympics world games. It's going to take place in Berlin in June. Tell us about it.
2: Yes. Special Olympics world games is really, it starts out with your local games, which is all over every community around the world. Then you go to the States and then it, Different states have different ways of picking their athletes to how they go to states. Here, you get chosen if you get a gold medal. Some people doing um, some kind of like they would interview people and see if they're the right candidate. Well, then from that, from in our state, you get a gold medal. Then you go to a camp, which we went to in November, and that determines whether you are qualified to go because it could be your behavior to hold you back, But when you get to the World games, that is our world stage. That is our Olympics to be on that stage. And I am so, so happy to be on that stage because there'll be so many athletes at these games. I don't know the number, maybe six to 7,000 athletes. I could be wrong on that number, but they come from all around the world. And a lot of the athletes, like our tennis team from the United States, is four unified teams. So that's eight athletes that are paired together, four with intellectual disability and four without, and then two traditional athletes, me and a young lady from California named Holly, Heidi. So we're the two traditional athletes, but there's four unified teams. Our soccer team from the United States is unified. Our basketball team is unified. So it's like they say, it's to me, it's one of my highlights. And at my age, I've to be able to go out there and put that tennis racket and that ball together and hit it and play, probably against people much younger than I. I'm not about, oh, I'm gonna get the gold. I'm about, oh, I have this opportunity and I'm gonna make it the best to represent, not only myself, but to represent my country. And my people around the world who have ID the same as I do.
1: I, I can't wait to get out there and go myself. Uh, you you have so many amazing stories. You mentioned this. Disney made a movie about your life. That you before we that we lived in the projects. Yeah, <laughs> they they did, fancy house. And, and they made and they made a whole movie. It's about you and your story and where you came from. What was that experience like almost 20 years ago they made that film? It still kind of rings true. What was that like having it put together you and know, then watching didn't, it?
2: At first, I, I, I'm not that kind of person that wanted them to do something like that. That was just not my forte. But a friend of mine, Nora Mason and Tim Shriver, they were both at it. At me, I was volunteering up in Connecticut for like two or three years for the games. I would go up and do 65 piece, thousand piece mailings, and I'm sitting there putting these mailings together. We'd go out the volunteers, go out and speak and raise money, and they had this ideal and they wanted this to possibly happen. And and Nora would talk to me, Nora Mason. She still lives in Connecticut, and her husband and family. And Tim Shriver, who lives now in Washington, they've been talking to me for like two years. And I said, no, this is not my thing. This is not my thing. Then finally, one of them came together and says, Loretta, just think, if we make this movie, a lot of kids in school will see this movie. And they all think differently about people who are different than they are. And. I looked at her and I said, no, nah, I'm not into this. And she's, and then she sat and talked to me. Tim sat and talked to me over his house when he was in Connecticut. I said, okay, I'm going to give in. Because my theory is if a kid on the other side of the track, whether they have intellectual disability or not, is looked at differently, that child with intellectual disability is looked at differently. The other people on the other side of the track who think that they can't be successful would see this that to say, Yes, they can be successful if, you, if given a chance. So the movie was made for lower, I would say upper elementary, more or less upper elementary. And that's where you have to start to do acceptance. That's where you have, my mom always said, prejudice is started at home. You start when kids are little to educate them about people who are different than they are.
1: You gave an amazing speech before that movie was produced at the ESPYs. Denzel Washington gave you the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPYs. I remember watching that. What message would you directly share with with kids, adults, anyone listening right now, just about inclusion?
2: You know, I think we all should be included because it's only one world. And my message is to everyone There's one world, there's not 10 worlds, there's one. And we all should be able to live in it and enjoy it for the time we have on this earth that everyone should be counted in. Nobody should be looking on the other side of the fence. And I know it sounds like a pipe dream, but can it happen? I think it can, if we start with ourselves in our own little community, whether it's you opening the door, I go up to a little store, I probably go up to Turkey Hill today, get a cup of coffee, before I go out running, and if I see somebody, I always say hi to them, whether they say hi back or not, and a lot of times, I'm running, and I'll say hi, or hey, you know, put my hand up, and a lot of times, people say nothing, but I've also seen the turnaround in people, and it's took them a while, the same people that weren't saying nothing would put their hand up, and say, hey, you know, just to test them out, and I think we can live in this world, Everyone should have the opportunity to be included.
1: I love it. I love it. Loretta, let me ask you this. When you're not are you not running, exercising, keeping fit, inspiring people, what else are you doing for fun? What do you listen to? Do you have any favorite musicians, any artists?
2: I love the, uh, you know, I got this little tablet thing and I go on and I watch all the African choirs. That's my latest thing to hear them because they have such beautiful music and it's youth who don't have nothing like the African Children's Choir. There's a lot of them. There's a Watoto Choir. I like to listen to them. It's mostly religious music, but they sing fun songs too. I like to knit. I knit and I crochet Uh, premium hats for cancer. Actually, I'm sitting here and I got a bag of yarn here that would be turned into knockers. And this yarn, I see if you can see it. Yeah. This yarn would be turned into a, a prosthetic for women who have cancer and lose their breasts. I'll make the prosthetic and send them out to this company out in Washington state. And they'll wash them, clean them and put them in cancer and stuff them and put them in cancer centers all over the country. And actually, I got a couple cancer centers now. I'm stuffing them and putting them in and still doing for that. And I knit preemie hats. I'm probably knitted a well over a thousand preemie hats for preemies for many hospitals. And that's what I do as my give back. I don't charge them anything. I mail it to them. And um, York Hospital here will say, hey, we need the neonatal unit where I go to the doctors at. I know there's a lady that works there. So I make the preemie hats. When I go out to get my teeth done, I Drop a bag off, and that pa- that other patient who works at the Neil place gets it. We have another center here that gets them. Uh, McGee Women's Hospital in Pittsburgh gets a lot of my hats. A hospital in North Dakota. I've never been there. I've never been to McGee, but I find things to do. You
1: you you have found a whole lot to do. Right now, you got me crying on the other side of the microphone. You are you are the prime example of there's no stopping anybody from going out and doing anything. Can nope. you just, I could sit here with it's you. It's all um, about
2: opportunity and it's all about choices. If you have the choice to just want to sit, then that's your choice. But then remember, if you just want to sit, don't be upset when you see the person who wants to get up and move. So my my, my choice is to get up and move. I will probably, I got my running clothes on now. So I got a jacket. I'll throw that on later on. I'll probably go up to Turkey Hill. I just had some breakfast. I'll go up to Turkey Hill, get a cup of coffee, mingle chat for maybe 15 minutes, come back, get my shoes on. i see if I'm having refit tonight. That's an exercise program. Tomorrow I'll get up and I'll be at the Y from 930 to 1130 working out. And I take classes. So I just try to stay busy.
1: Get up, get up and move. Loretta, I want to thank you for joining us. and and sharing your story giving some background to the the film the movie your experiences it's awesome and i look forward to seeing you in 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 berlin choose
2: yes (laughs) choose you got it choose bye
1: loretta's story is awesome It's the perfect example of never settling, stopping when someone tells you no, never being idle, and to never stop growing and just keep moving. Thank you again to Loretta Claiborne. If you'd like to get involved with Special Olympics as an athlete, a volunteer, or contributor in any type of way, go to SpecialOlympics.org to find your local program. I'm JR of the JR Sport Brief Show on CBS Sports Radio. You've been listening to the Agents of Inclusion podcast. Make sure you subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.